Hello, and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oral Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oral Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Welcome to this week's edition of Rising's One Podcast. This week, we're going to discuss the late draw in Orange County, preview our upcoming match against Sacramento Republic, review scores and standings around the league, and discuss some Phoenix Rising news. I'm your co-host, Matt Trainer, joined here today by Dominic Kearns and Jeff Went. Guys, that was another late draw for Phoenix Rising on Friday. Uh, they were unbeaten in their three-match road trip and picked up five points. What are you guys' thoughts on all this? Is your glass half full or half empty right now? Uh, I will start and say that Personally, I think it should be half full. I know that this is a contentious take to have. Uh, we ran the poll about five points earned versus four points lost, and I think most people ended up on the four points lost side of the argument. But I'm going to say it's five points won and that we should be optimistic now because we were a very undermanned team on Friday. Mala was on suspension. Dio was on suspension. And we had to put some guys in some very difficult spots. And my goodness, Wakasa and Vazquez, two people who we've ragged on very often, absolutely played their hearts out and almost got us over the line. We had Drogba out on Friday with an injury. We had several other regular starters missing. We haven't integrated Kavon Lambert really into the starting lineup, even though he made his debut. So... Not only are we going to get more pieces back to the puzzle, we also have a very easy stretch of games coming up. Sacramento, maybe not so much. But afterwards, we have Orange County at home. We have Seattle 2 at home. And then that doesn't even get into us playing Timbers 2 twice before the season ends. And we have a home game against RGV still. So it's it's another frustrating draw. But the way I see it, these guys just keep playing their hearts out and overcoming adversity. And this team reminds me a lot of the 2011 New York Giants in football. Sneak into the playoffs, but they have so many good pieces together. And once it clicks, I don't think anyone wants to play us. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the half-empty uh, half scenario here. Um, you know, feeling that, you know, we should have been able to bag all nine points. Granted, we we lost players left and right in both RGV and in in Orange County, you know, Friday, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I just, you know, you play your heart out, and and you get to the last five minutes, and you're getting gutted every time. It's got it's got to be wearing thin on these boys a little bit to to get to that 85, 90 minute mark, and just for whatever reason not be able to hold the lead long enough 
you know, to keep two points, you know, extra in the bag in, you know, in each of these last two games. Do you well, the reason's pretty a... simple. <laughs> you're down a man I mean, do you... or two. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you take the points? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're gonna take you're gonna take a draw on the road every single time. You know, it's it's posed and available to you. Sure, you're gonna take that. But do you wish you had four more points in the bag now at this point? Yeah, you do because obviously four points would put you sixth, seventh, eighth in the playoff race right now, and you'd be pushing teams points wise you know as we get down the stretch with these you know easier games that we have sitting on the schedule instead of counting on these extra games to kind of make the difference to make us get into the playoffs at this point so you know that's what makes this next stretch of three home games coming up and we'll talk about that later as well you know how how crucial that is and 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 our poll question that we asked uh, the fans earlier this week as to what they felt about the upcoming home stand and we'll, we'll talk about that yeah myself I, I would say I'm a half empty kind of guy right now um, you know Dominic you brought up some really good points to kind of counter that and I do agree you know the guys have been playing their heart out Wakasa and Vasquez played really good I mean I only saw the last 20 or 30 minutes of the match they started to kind of wear down towards the end um, but you know I, I see it as a half glass half empty just because these are four critical points that we gave up um, in the last few minutes of each match um, you know you could say that uh, these were caused by some uh, bad calls or missed calls um, whatever you might say but the fact is that you know we should put ourselves in positions where we don't allow a bad decision by the referee to cost us a game we need to get a lead and try to maintain that so that if you do get a bad call you know, it doesn't screw us out of uh, two points in the last, you know, five, six minutes. Um, so, you know, that's those, those are just my thoughts on it. But certainly don't want to discredit any of the players. I mean, I know that they're trying really hard and we had some uh, unique circumstances this week with a few guys being out with red cards. So um, all in all, the road trip was, um, you could say, successful because we didn't lose. So. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and get us into the uh, review of the Orange County match? Yeah, let's get in. Let's get into things on Orange County. Uh, obviously, the interesting changes that you know we'll talk about here early. Victor Vasquez on the left in defense for Amadou Dia, who is out with the red card. Cody Wakasa is playing in the center for Jordan Stewart, who did not play, did not go on the trip at all, and then ended up being uh, AJ Gray on the right. Uh, back position that was kind of interesting you know to think about it that way uh, you know I, and we'll talk about this in the, in the reviews and everything guys but you know I, I agree that Wakasa did his absolute best is what he could do with his center back position but obviously you know his glaring mistake at the end that we'll talk about later that that ended up being the demise of of, of three points but like I said we'll talk about that later um, interesting, obviously, Drogba not being in the lineup. Chris Cortez taking his spot up at the top, which means um, ending up on the right-hand side, you know, you had you had Jason Johnson, you had Regi on the left, you had Sean Wright Phillips in the middle in defense, or in, in the midfield with uh, Tim and Watson uh, playing, playing your holding positions. So, um, you know, Vasquez right off the bat, making himself known right into the match, fifth minute, throwing a nice cross in, 
uh, just a little bit too tall for Chris Cortez, but I thought court, you know, seeing, seeing that ball go in early was nice to see. Um, then, uh, Orange County gets its first attack in the 14th minute. Von Awick gets a shot on, uh, Carl Wazinski makes a great, great save, uh, on that ball. And then we get, uh, into the big play of the match right off the bat in the 18th minute. Bad pass back to OC goaltender Charlie Lyon, who takes a hard first touch on that ball. And if it's not for Chris Cortez continuing his run on defense, Cortez makes a beautiful play on that ball, knocks it away from Charlie Lyon. He's got nobody around him, open net, throws it right in. one nothing lead for, for Phoenix Rising right off the bat. Great to see Chris Cortez get a goal against his former team. Great to see Chris Cortez continue the run that he had because if he doesn't make that defensive run and put the pressure on line, he doesn't take that hard first touch and Cortez doesn't get to the ball. So it's great to see him be able to do that. Get to the 25th minute, uh, dangerous free kick for orange County there. Uh, they decided to, to take it short and it ended up miss hitting it and going wide. Uh, then Phoenix rising had a free kick in the 30th, uh, Sean Wright Phillips got it to Cortez. Cortez just kind of happened to miss hit it a little bit. And then obviously the big play of the first half, the red card on A.J. Gray, two minutes short of the halftime. You know, when you watch it originally first, did I think it was a red card? Not really, but going back after a couple of times and watching it again, I can see where the referee does give the red card on that play. I mean, A.J. Gray does come at it from a distance sliding in. I wasn't coming at it hard and charging, you know, studs up, going crazy and everything. It was just a hard play. Unfortunate that Gray gets the red card there and obviously, you know, changes the complexion of the game at that point. But it was a good thing to see that we go into the half at a one nothing lead. Didn't get much play on the last couple of minutes after the red card. So, you know, Dominic... Uh, your thoughts on the first half and what happened yeah so uh really you know just as you were mentioning before great hustle by Cortez to get that goal um nice to also see Waz back in the net making a couple crucial saves to keep it at nil nil before we went ahead in the 18th minute and then you know we were talking about last week who are we going to start in defense this week and we put AJ Gray out there, and he he's picked up a red card before. I believe it was in the Oklahoma City game, or not? He didn't pick up a red card there, but he gave away a penalty, and it was just such an unnecessary play. He had possession of the ball, took a bad touch, loses it, and it's one of those frustration fouls. But you can't go studs up like that, especially when the guy is not even turned in front of you. If you're both facing each other, you might get away with the yellow there. But he looked like he was turning away from AJ Gray. And if you're coming like from the side or from the back, it's going to be a red card. So, I mean, you can feel wronged by it. But I really, and in lifetime, it looked harsh. But you go back and you watch it. And I, I think the ref makes the right call there. As incredibly frustrating as that is to have a third red card happen in less than 60 minutes of game action if you go back to rgv uh you know each game is independent of the previous game this is a new referee and i think he made the right call 
it's just a total shame because we were playing pretty well and we were in a really good position to, you know, at least stay comfortable at that one nil, maybe even push for a second. And then, of course, that changes. That it does. And so we get into the second half of play, and, and you could see right off the bat where Orange County was trying to get the front foot forward. And, and at points in the first 15 minutes, they kind of did. You know, but at times, I think Phoenix Rising held its position fairly well. Um, obviously, there's a key play in the 59th minute. Uh, Ramage heads a ball off the line uh, from Van, Van Awick. Uh, you know, it was uh, Carl Wazinski getting himself caught a little bit out of, out of position, but, you know, Ramage being right there where he was, being able to clear it. Uh, good to see the turnaround, though, on right away even though you're at 10 men, to see Jason Johnson drive the ball down to the other end. I know a lot of people were thinking, you know, maybe there's a penalty there. No, it was a good call by the referee. Uh, Lyon got to the ball, got the ball cleanly. You know, could you have could you have called the push from behind on Johnson? Yep, you, you might have, but I think for the most part, I think the referee did make the right call there. Um, you could see the pressure continually building as Orange County you know, starts to figure out the way, you know, Phoenix Rising is playing. You get a sub in the sixth, in the 64th minute. We get the introduction of, of Kevon Lambert into the into the lineup for Phoenix Rising, comes in for Alessandro Rigi. I mean, I think that was a great move just in the fact of, you know, being that we hadn't seen Lambert play and just to see his size out there, he made himself quite a bit of a presence playing that kind of central midfield role, uh, you know, kind of hanging back and, and putting the pressure on the guys up top there. It was great to see that we've got a guy with some size that, that can be able to do that in the midfield. And it'll be great to see how he progresses, you know, as the rest of this season unfolds. Um, then we had a another sub for Phoenix Rising. Uh, Edder Ariola comes in uh, in the 69th minute for Jason Johnson. You can obviously see at this point, the changes that Carterone is making are basically defensive changes to try to hold the line. Um, you could just see the continuing of pressure pushed up, but credit Phoenix Rising's defense for holding the line the way they did, getting clearing the ball the way they needed to do, clearing it out out of pressure, but holding the line and not allowing uh, Orange County to make as many runs and as many big crosses as you would expect a team that was that would be up a man to be able to do um you get into the uh the later parts of the match the 79th minute orange county had three consecutive corners that you kind of worried about but phoenix rising was able to clear all three of those uh ramage cleared a header on the 89 in the 86th minute and then obviously you get to the you get to the big goal in the 89th minute where abalaji uh gets the goal off the header uh you know, he, he slips in behind Wakasa uh, defensively. You know, defensively, he didn't quite mark his man quite as well as, as, as you kind of hoped he would have. But obviously, you know, you're thinking 89th minute, how tired these guys are. You know, it, it's a shame. It's a shame to see Carl Wazinski go through these last two matches and, and, and have a pair of clean sheets sitting right in front of you, uh, taken away in the in the final dying seconds of, of matches. I mean, you got to feel gutted for Carl and, 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 and seeing what happens there. Um, obviously we saw, we also saw the introduction of, of Sam Hamilton into the lineup for the first time 
Obviously, he only played a minute of time, so you really can't evaluate what he what he was able to do in his time in the game. But obviously, ending up a one-one draw, uh, you know the, the the tough you know the tough uh, streak of, of giving up goals late here now uh, is starting to bite us. And you know it's it's not the early goals that are that are killing us like they were early in the season. Now it's the the goals late in the season that are killing us. So uh, Dominic, your thoughts on uh, on the second half. Yeah, I mean, when you're down a man for the entire half, you're going to really have to uh, put the walls up, play eight, nine, sometimes ten behind the ball, and uh, try to make that work for the most part. And I think Rising did a pretty good job for the most part. Um, I think the key moment there is if Johnson was able to finish that chance he had and by the way, incredible to round the defender as he did and really make something out of nothing there. Um, but if he was able to put that in and now you're up 2-0, that just gives you so much more confidence and sends such a message to the other team. It's kind of like a shorthanded goal on a power play in hockey. That can just be really debilitating to the opponent. And uh, instead, we keep him alive and, you know... It's amazing because Orange County had so many amazing chances and the goal that they score, I was talking to Jose about this today, not a, not an especially powerful header there in the 89th minute. It was a good ball in and, uh, you know, on target, but Carl seemed to be in good position. It just unfortunately kind of snuck under his right hand and sneaked in, but... Um, it's a shame because Phoenix looked like we were, it looked like we were set to hang on, and that would have been a really heroic performance to hang on for almost 50 minutes down a man on the road like that. Um, as I was saying before, I don't think you take too much away from the performances everyone put in. Um, obviously, you're going to be up against it that entire half, but I still think that everyone showed tremendous heart. Uh, as exemplified when Peter Ramage cleared the ball off the line with a header. Um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we just haven't been quite able to get over the line. But, you know, hats off to everyone still. And to Cortez for that first goal. So, Like I said, I, I only was able to watch like the last uh, 20 or 30 minutes. So I don't really have a whole lot to add other than that, you know, I thought the defense was doing pretty well um, being a man down, trying to hold that lead. Um, and you could kind of see the last few minutes, last 10 minutes started to uh, anticipation. The anxiety was building up as, uh, you know, Orange County kept knocking at the door there and um, finally gave out. And, um, yeah, the late draw just sucks. But, uh, you know, you still take the point on the road and move on and uh, come back home. And then next week we're going to be playing uh, Sacramento Republic. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on this uh preview for Sacramento Republic. Uh, they just lost yesterday to Reno. Uh, so that was an interesting result. Um, they're currently fifth in the West, uh, 10 wins, seven losses and four draws at 34 points. So they've had a pretty good uh, season so far. Well, you got to go back to early in the season and remember how the struggles of this club were. I mean, the, the talk around Sacramento was, you know, you know, is Paul Buckle going to hang around for the entire season? And, and, you know, they found a way to turn it around. Uh, Tevin Caesar ha has been a great addition for them uh, this year. I mean, 
six goals on the season. Obviously, uh, Samuel Ochoa came back for them. He's got five goals on the season. Uh, former Arizona United star uh, Tyler Blackwood is there, and he has five goals on the season. But they've been such an up-and-down team all year long. I mean, you lose at home to Reno last, you know, last night. You know, three goals scored in a matter of nine minutes in that match all in the first half. Um, but to, to give up the goal that they gave up to Weehan, uh, if you haven't had a chance to see that free kick, that was a, that was a nice oh my. that, that, that he put in, um, Dane Kelly getting his, you know, league leading 16th goal of the season. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to figure out Sacramento this year. It really is, it, you know, and at times, you know, I've, I've seen so many of their boards all year long, how they're complaining about the system that, that Buckle's running. Uh, you know, he, he can't make up his mind as to what he wants to do. One week he's putting four in the back. The next week he's doing a three, five, two. The next week it's a, it's a diamond. It's, you know, it seems like he can't settle on, on a system. And when you got such a setup where you can't settle on a system, your players are all out of sort. And, and I, Dominic, I don't know about you, but I maybe they're ripe for the picking at this game. Uh, I do not share your optimism. Sacramento has been one of the best teams in the league over the last six weeks. Since losing to Reno, uh, I believe that they were on a three-game winning streak. They tied San Antonio FC and then rattled off three more wins before losing to Reno. So, sure, Reno has their number, but not including the loss against Reno... They were 6-0-1 in their last seven. That's a seven-match unbeaten streak. Um, so they seem to be finding form, actually. And they, before losing to Reno, had shut out their last three opponents. So I do understand that earlier in the season, they were having problems getting the right lineup out there, getting the right formation, and their defense was suffering. But they seemed to uh, really find something lately. And maybe some of that is because those second three wins in a row were against Sounders 2, Whitecaps 2, and Timbers 2. <laughs> but you know what? Regardless of who they're playing, you have to get the wins, and they've gotten the wins lately. So, yes, you're right that they are a streaky team, and hopefully this begins a little bit of a downward slide for them, because with the win, we would pull to within, I think, five points of Sacramento in the standings, maybe even four. Um so that would be nice for us. But, I mean, this is still a team that I think is a force to be reckoned with. I think they are definitely one of the five best teams in the Western Conference. And we are going to have to play an A game to beat them. If we have any defensive lapses, it's not going to happen. If we have anyone with a reckless tackle and we're playing a man down, we are not going to beat this team. So we need to come out there with a great effort start to finish and the good news is we're going to have a lot of people back. We're going to have Mala back. We're going to have Dia back. Drogba should be in the starting lineup. We're going to have Kavon Lambert, Sam Hamilton, who might be starting for the first time all season. So this is, and this is also a Sacramento Republic team that has not played us this year. This is the last team in the Western Conference we haven't played yet. They have no experience coming into Phoenix coming into Tempe in our new stadium in the summertime. They don't know what they're going to have. 
have happen to them on Saturday. I hope it's 115 at kickoff. With water breaks, of course. But I want Sacramento to suffer on Saturday. So this is not a game we can take lightly. This is going to be the toughest match of the homestand. But, I mean, I think we can win if we play an A effort. It just... Uh, we've been putting in a lot of uh, B... B-plus performances lately against a team like LA2 that's good enough against Sacramento. I don't think it will be. So I, I, I'm personally feeling like it's going to be another frustrating draw, and I hope I'm wrong. I agree with you there. I'm probably going to end up in a draw, and I, I think against Sacramento, that's okay. It's just kind of it's going to be frustrating a little bit just because it's the third consecutive draw. But uh, you know, I think we keep in mind that it's against the Sacramento team who has been playing well. And then, uh, so now, now let's get into the USL scores around the league. Uh, Jeff, Dominic, you want to take us into yeah, that? Yeah, we'll get into the scores for this week. Um, starting out Tuesday, Orange County went and had a nil-nil draw with Tulsa. On Wednesday, Charlotte beat Bethlehem 1-0, and Orlando beat Ottawa 3-0. Thursday, uh, an interest, interesting result. Seattle beat Portland 2-1. It was goals from... Rogers and Wingo for Seattle that gave them the three points that kind of get them back up towards the standings where they have been wanting to be all year long, um, as you'll, you'll, you'll hear in a little bit. Uh, Friday, an interesting matchup between top teams in the West. Uh, uh, Swill Park Rangers and Salt Lake came to a 2-2 tie. Uh, it was goals in the first half from Haber and Karinga for Salt Lake City that were countered by second-half goals from substitutes Carlton Belmar and Sable that saved uh, points for Swope Park Rangers. That obviously could be a big matchup, uh, you know, as as you look at playoff positioning later on in the season. And then the other result for Friday night, uh, an interesting result as far as Phoenix Rising fans go, uh, LA Galaxy 2 gets a 2-1 to win over Colorado Springs. It was, a, it was an Ari Lasseter goal in the first half. Uh, it got Los Dos on the board, but it was an own goal in the 87th minute from uh, Seth McFarlane that gave L.A. the points, and that's a huge result for Phoenix uh, going forward. Uh, you know, Dominic, we talked earlier off the air about, you know, where Colorado Springs is sitting in, re- in relation to the number of games they actually have left in the season. Yeah, that's a back-breaking loss. If you're a Colorado Springs fan, they don't play again until September 1st, and that match is away to Sacramento. So, I mean, you're realistically looking at six matches after that to try to pick up points. And yes, they're at 33 points, but 25 matches played. And the way they lose that, too, as an own goal, you're going to go down to one of the worst teams in the conference one of the worst teams in the league for parts of this season on an own goal at home. And, you know, when we were previewing the Colorado Springs game a few weeks back, uh, I remember that the Colorado Springs perspective was just, this is such a frustrating team because we can go toe-to-toe with the best squads. We can beat San Antonio at home, and then we can just find a way to, like, fall behind 2-0 against Vancouver 2 lose against Los Dos. Um, yeah, it's going to help us a little bit, but, I mean, that's just that's just demoralizing for them. Yeah, that, that it is. 
Uh, games on Saturday in the East. Uh, New York beat FC Cincinnati 4 nothing. It was Charleston 1, Rochester nothing. Charlotte and Orlando played to a 1-1 tie. It was Richmond 2, Toronto 1. It was Tampa Bay and Ottawa playing to a 1-1 draw. And Pittsburgh beat St. Louis 2-1. Games in the West on Saturday. Oklahoma City, San Antonio, 0-0 draw. Gotta love that. Nil-nil draw there, uh, Dominic. It's looking better and better for your pepper challenge. Well, I mean, the pepper challenge comes down to the playoffs. I mean, San Antonio can keep picking up points in the regular season on these draws, but, I mean, when push comes to shove, they're going to have to score goals. So, you know, performances like this don't strengthen that argument, but it could happen for them. You just don't know yet. Well, no, especially if they can't score goals against a team that's bottom eight in the conference. I mean, that you got to be able to be beating these teams handily if you want to, you know, prove that you're a top team in the conference and be able to score goals. Well, I mean, you, you can't be winning these, can't be winning these one nothing games, and and think that 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 people are going to take you seriously. Well, let's let's be fair though. Oklahoma City has been a lot better than they were in the early parts of the season. They are looking like a legitimate playoff team. Will it shake out that way? I don't know, but that's that's actually a pretty tough match. That's an understandable draw from the San Antonio perspective. And, you know, considering how many draws there were around the Western Conference this week, it's not too bad for them. Yeah, and speaking speaking of another draw that you're talking about, Rio Grande Valley and Vancouver played to a 1-1 draw. It was a goal by we by Wayne in the first half from Vancouver, countered by a, a Kasner goal in the second half. Uh, another positive result for Phoenix Rising. Uh, keep a team you know below us in the standings with a draw. And then we obviously talked about the Reno Sacramento uh, performance from Saturday in uh, in the preview. And then the last game that's being played right now as we tape, uh, Bethlehem and Louisville are playing uh, this afternoon. So that brings us to the end of week 22 in the USL. So, Matt, that brings us to the standings at this point. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as you guys mentioned, kind of interesting this week. A lot of draws. Um, There was only one team in the top half of the uh, Western Conference that actually had a win this weekend, uh, and that was Reno. Um, so let's get through the standings here. Um, Real Monarchs still holding first place uh, with 52 points. San Antonio in second place with 42 points. Swope Park, they're in third place with 41 points. Uh, they've had three consecutive draws. Uh, Reno is in fourth place with 39 points, winning the last three matches. Um, our opponents for next week, Sacramento is in fifth place with 34 points. Um, then we go into sixth place, Tulsa Roughnecks, 33 points. Seventh place, Colorado Springs at 33 points as well, uh, losing the last two matches. And then rounding out the top half of the table is Oklahoma City at 30 points. Then we get into the bottom half. Uh, Seattle Sounders 2 is in ninth place with 29 points. Orange County is in 10th place uh, with 29 points as well. Uh, and then there's Phoenix Rising. We're in 11th place right now. Um, we've played you know less matches as we talked. We have matches in hand. Um, we have 20 matches played so far uh, at 27 points. Um, so we're going to, you know, as we discussed, getting into that critical time of the season for us to push for that playoff position. Um, then 12th place, we have Rio Grande Valley at 27 points. 13th is Los Dos at 22 points. 
14th is Vancouver Whitecaps, 2 at 19 points. And last is Timbers, 2 at 9 points, losing their last three matches. You know, we've talked we've talked about with most of these teams, you know, they're they're two and three and four games ahead of us as far as, as you know, games played. We make up those points. I mean, the, the easiest one to look at is if you get six points out of your next two matches and you'd be on even games with Tulsa, you'd be sitting in the sixth spot right now. So, I mean, it's there for the taking. I mean, we've we've got to take advantage of points when we can, and and obviously, you know, when we talk about it in, in three weeks, the Cascadia trip is going to lo- loom very large, and we're going to need every man on that roster to, to 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 buckle up and get as many points as possible on that road trip. Yeah, and I don't want to keep you know beating this up, but you know the having the last minute draws i mean just to talk about how critical those points are like for this week how there were so many draws only one team in the top eight uh having a win the rest were draws or a loss you know those those are critical to to retain those points at this time to kind of close that gap to get us uh within reaching distance of a playoff position um so you know we'll have to deal with that now it just kind of makes things a little bit tighter as we get into this remainder of the season um so you know, hopefully we can uh, just kind of move on from that and, you know, with our full roster returning soon, hopefully. So that's it for the standings this week. Um, there's a little bit of Phoenix Rising news. Um, they hosted focus groups uh, to talk about the MLS expansion, um, stuff like that. I know uh, these are very limited seating for these, and they actually sent out uh, additional um, meetings because they filled up so quickly. Uh, I was unable to get to one, but Dominic was able to uh, – to get into one of those focus groups. And Dominic, why don't you tell us uh, how that went? Sure. So before we play the audio of my post-focus group reactions with Christine Lance and Brian Miedendorp, these are two longtime supporters. They've been in LFR since 2013 um, and two of the people that were in my focus group. So just to give a little intro before we get into that audio, There were four different focus groups this week, a couple on Tuesday and a couple on Wednesday. These were 90-minute sessions between 12 and 15 people for each of these, and there's a pretty good mix of people too. Mostly season ticket holders, but, you know, some people who aren't season ticket holders, they just go to games, you know, maybe four or five games so far this season. Um, You know, and also a good mix of people that are in the supporters section and you know, people that are just in, you know, closer to the middle of the stadium, still paying very hard-earned money to go support the club, but they're just a little bit less rabid about it. Um, And it's just great to be in a room with all of these different people bringing their different perspectives, Uh, you know, to be next to someone who played uh, professional football over in Europe way back when, and, uh, sitting right next to someone who's been supporting the team since they were Phoenix Wolves, uh, who sat next to someone who was supporting uh, Celtic growing up in Scotland. So uh, just cool to get different perspectives like that. And some of the some of the topics that we covered in this meeting were location for a potential new stadium. They actually had brought up two alternate locations to our Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex um, but 
I think everyone in our group pretty unanimously agreed that where we're at right now at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex is just a perfect spot. Other things that came up were concessions for a potential new stadium, you know, the capacity. Everyone agreed pretty much that it's going to be between twenty and 25,000. Uh, standing section for supporters with rails, that was something that came up. I know our group came out pretty in favor of that. I heard that another group was not so much in favor of that. They had their reservations about it. So it's kind of interesting even which people you get grouped with and what the consensus is in different focus groups. I mean, kudos to Phoenix Rising for setting it up so that there were many perspectives. You have four or five different groups. And then they can take the feedback from all of them and uh, apply it like that. A couple things that did ruffle some feathers... Uh, the two things that ruffled the most feathers in my particular group were, you know, plans to raise ticket prices, which it's just part of the business. If you're going to go up to MLS, you're going to need more money. You're going to have to generate more revenue so that you can sign the kind of world-class talent that we need to, you know, make a graceful transition like Atlanta United, as opposed to, you know, really struggling like a Chivas USA or Minnesota United this year. Um those would be growing pains, and to mitigate those, you need to generate revenue. Which kind of tied into the second um, thing that ruffled some people's feathers, and that was luxury box seating. The recent model has tended to say, look, we want more luxury boxes closer to the field, that way we can charge a higher price for those seats, you know, generate more revenue, and give those fans a special experience right next to the field feel like you're really part of the action um of course there was some pushback from people in the group who say look the people in luxury boxes they're not even following the action that close anyways so what is it really going to do for them to be that close uh, another person even saying he's you know had multiple experiences with luxury boxes and he kind of prefers the higher view feels like you're above things a little more so, you know, that's the beauty of a focus group is that you do get different types of feedback. But, uh, you know, our moderators seem to propose models where there would be luxury boxes very close to the field, um, you know, along the middle of the field. And a lot of people took umbrage to that. So I don't know what, what they're going to end up doing to kind of create a compromise, so to speak. A lot of stadiums more traditionally have the boxes between the lower and upper levels but the newer trend has been get it closer to the field so maybe they'll put boxes you know behind the non-supporter section goal or maybe they would put it on the non-televised side of the stadium i don't know but just interesting discussion point that came up and then the last thing was you know how does everyone feel about about um, Phoenix as an MLS market. And I think the thing that we came away with is that it's a great MLS market because we've shown that we have a fan base and we've shown, this ownership group has shown that they care about what fans think as evidenced by the fact that they even had this, this uh, focus group. Um, and unlike other owners in town, they do care about the fans and they want to have a great fan experience and that we would have the potential to 
become a top two or three team in town, kind of like what FC Cincinnati has done almost overnight, uh, quickly becoming the hottest ticket in town over there. So with that all being said, here is the audio of my interview with Christine Lance and Brian Miedendorp. And I just have to say, be sure to thank them for their thoughts because these are two of the most insightful people that you can ever get a hold of if you want to talk anything Phoenix Rising. So here it is. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast, and I'm here with two very special guests today. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, Christine Lance uh, with uh, LFR 1881. And Brian Meddendorp with LFR 1881. And I'm curious, how long have you both supported the team? I've been a member of LFR since their inception and have been a season ticket holder for going back to the Phoenix FC Wolves days. Pretty much the same except for the year and a half that I was living in Washington, D.C. Okay, so it doesn't go any further back than you both. So we all had the opportunity to go to a very special uh, focus group, and I know that they've had several of these. What were your expectations going into this focus group tonight? I tried to keep pretty open. I uh, didn't have too many expectations. Um, I was kind of hoping to see some of the renderings, uh, which we did not see. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I tried to keep pretty open mind as to what they were looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, want, I just kept an open mind about it, too. I didn't want to go into it with too many expectations. You know, I definitely was expecting them to ask us questions about, like, what we wanted the stadium to look like and, you know, general amenities, and they definitely did that. Um, but... I just went into it with just like, you know, let's see what happens, and um, that was it. So, I guess another big question, what were your biggest takeaways from the meeting? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, I guess I'm still mapping that one out in my brain. Um, I think they seem relatively open to our suggestions. Um, they seem open to uh, making sure fans are happy um, in some aspects of having the stadium in terms of like the amenities and just like the setup of the seats and and things of that nature but there were definitely some things that were talked about where it just I definitely got the impression that they um, were kind of focused on doing it their way and what would one example of that be um, I think uh, kind of what you mentioned in our conversation a minute ago um, Dominic, just uh, the, having the club seating on at ground level. Um, I'm not a fan of that as, a, as someone who sits in the supporter section. Um, I think that really takes away from the atmosphere of the game. Um, but, I mean, I think if they want to have it there, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. Yeah, and the end of the day, you know, they're, they're the ones making the decisions. They're the ones yeah. writing the checks. Um, but, you know, I agree. The biggest takeaway for me was I was thrilled that they asked fans to come out and have their say. Um, for me, that's just huge. Uh, there's a lot of times where, well, a lot of the Phoenix FC days, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, what, what it was uh, is what it was. Uh, but to be able to take an opportunity for an hour and a half, just to be able to have them hear what we had to say, what we wanted out of our stadium. Um, I don't know as a fan if you can ask for even more of that than that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with Arizona United, um, they never, that never even was a consideration, or with Phoenix FC. So, I mean, that's definitely a step in the right direction. At least they wanted to hear us. I think another big takeaway that I noticed 
early on they had actually mentioned, and again, nothing in stone, but they mentioned two other potential stadium locations, one in south-central Phoenix and one further east out in Mesa. What were your guys' reactions to those potential sites? Well, like I said in the focus group, um, and I don't know if it would surprise some people or if it surprised anybody that was in there, I concentrated, or the one that in the south-central Phoenix really jumped out at me right away. Um, living in Levine, it would be closer for me, but I hate the idea. I absolutely hate the idea. I don't see it as a good neighborhood. I don't see it as having the amenities that fans will want pre- or post-game. Um, I see it as more of potentially more expensive uh, land, problems with parking. Um, I, I just love where we are right now, and I would hate to see us give that up just to be more downtown. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think the, 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 that South Central location would be a bad idea um, for the same reasons that Christine said. And, I mean, to be honest, I was just surprised that they were even exploring other location options. I was under the impression that where we are now with the 202 and 101, that that's where we're going to be for sure. Uh, so I was just a little surprised that there were like two other options that they were floating out there still. Uh, I have to agree with you guys with that surprise, but interesting to note that it seemed almost unanimous that everyone was really happy with our current location. It's easy to get to. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and since you guys have been supporters for so long, I'd love to get your thoughts on their proposals for the supporters section at our new arena. What were some things that popped out with that section of the of the event? The biggest thing that we've always talked about and have wanted was the safe standing area. And it sounds like pretty much that's going to be a slam dunk, yeah. um, no matter what shape the stadium takes. Um, the other thing I'd put out was for a separate entrance for supporters. Um, don't know if that will come around, but really the, the safe standing was the big thing for us. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And also just, I mean, the basic thing of having cup holders um, at the seats wherever you are, um, whether you're standing or sitting, I think that'll be a great amenity that I'll add to it too as well. But, you know, and also just like the arrangement of how they're going to have the supporter section. Um, I know like some of us were leaning more toward like the longer, um, wider as opposed to the taller. Um, but I mean, I'm just glad that they were, as kind of was mentioned before, that we're, you know, that they're at least listening to us. Yeah, I mean, the uh, standing areas, they've been implemented in the last couple stadiums. You're seeing it with Orlando. You're seeing it with LAFC now. It's nice to know that they are on the same page, that that just needs to be a part of any new stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, another part that unfortunately is inevitable in any new stadium is increased prices. So I don't know if you guys feel comfortable throwing some of those numbers out there right now, but um, they were definitely increases over our current season tickets. What was your guys' feeling about those numbers they threw out? On the high end for supporters, it was starting to make me, it would get me to the point of questioning if I could afford full season. And to me, that's heartbreaker because um, I've been, to, been there since the beginning. I'm a diehard. I want to be there for every game. Um, but then, you know, we do have to remember that this would be a jump from USL to MLS. With that comes higher costs. And who's, somehow they're going to have to get the money to pay for the higher costs. Unfortunately, that leads to increased seating prices. So. And what about the low end? 
Um, I think the low end is a little more manageable, um, but I know that, you know, like we mentioned in the focus group, that there are definitely some members of LFR who have difficulty even, you know, paying the prices that uh, Phoenix Rising is offering now for the supporters end. And so, I mean, I definitely am empathetic toward them because I want everybody to be there. You know, I want the, I want the stadium to sell out every game, um, and I want the atmosphere that comes with that. And I think that... You know, the lower end, you know, if they can reach that, it's going to be more manageable for most people. Um, but I think inevitably there's going to be some people who just can't make it. Um, and that's why I brought up the idea of like maybe having uh, like a monthly, um, having a monthly payment plan or something like that so people can make it work. And I know we're just driving listeners absolutely crazy by not giving figures right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's comfortable. Yeah, I don't think I don't it's appropriate like... to give those numbers yeah, yeah, here. Not, yeah. But um, it's not our information to share right now. Exactly. Uh, one thing that also is worth noting, um, and of course I'm drawing a blank right now as we get into this, we had a pretty diverse group in this uh, in this supporters group. You know, both diehards and you know the more casual fans. Do you think that the casual supporters raised some really good points at this focus group? Definitely. I mean, they have, you know, their own points and their own things that are um, important to them in terms of the game day experience. And, um, you know, for me as a supporter, there are things that are important to me, but they, you know, some of those may not matter to them. And that's fine. I mean, we all have different, you know, things that we want to achieve when we go to games. And so, yeah, they definitely brought up some things that I didn't even think about, which is fair. Do you have anything to add there? Nope, totally agree. And, uh, okay, I guess at this point, since I know we're all very busy, it's a weeknight. What are your final thoughts, you know, long-term? Are you feeling optimistic about the potential move to MLS? Do you want that to happen? And if it does happen, do you think that this ownership group is going to give fans what they're looking for? Personally, I do want MLS. I do know that there's people in LFR that are leery um, just because of how MLS has a tendency to treat supporters groups. Um, Love them for advertising, hate them in-game. Do I think it will happen? My gut says the owners have already gotten a wink, wink, nod, nod, you know what I mean, know what I mean, Um, and that we will be in. Um, The area and this ownership group now has too much going for it. Will the owners give the fans what they want? They haven't let us down yet, so I don't see any reason to think that they would change now. Yeah, I mean, the ownership group has been phenomenal. I mean, every interaction that any of us has had with them has been nothing but positive, and they always strive to achieve what they say they're going to do. Um, And if it doesn't work out, they give us reasons why. And, you know, for those reasons alone, I respect them, and I trust that they're going to, like, you know, try and make this thing happen. And in terms of MLS, you know, for me personally, I, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, part of me doesn't want it to happen just because I like minor leagues better, but that's my own personal choice. Um, but I do understand, too, that there are people out there who want that higher level of product on the field, and I, I understand that. So um, I think first we should focus on having a much better quality product on the field at the USL level before we get to MLS. That's a really good point, considering we're not top eight at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and we got a big match this Friday. Yes, we do. Um, so before I let you guys go, I know you guys are two of the hardest core fans of this team. So if you could just let listeners know where to follow you on Twitter and or Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I am at PHXLance. 
And then Facebook, it's just Christine Lance Sell and TZ. On Twitter, um, I'm at oh that's Brian O H T H A T S B R I A N. And on uh, the Facebooky, I'm uh, just Medendorp M E D E N D O R P. All right, thank you both so much for your time. Thanks. And that was our interview with Christine Lance and Brian Medendorp. And I mean, what did you guys learn? from this interview because I came away with a lot of useful information from it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, kudos to Phoenix rising ownership for holding these focus groups. I mean, that's kind of been one thing that everybody's liked about them so far. The season season is how, how much they uh, care about the the feedback from the fans. Um, and they make us feel like our voice is heard and they make immediate changes whenever there's issues that arise. Um, so you know, I, I think that's awesome how what level they're involved. I don't know if other teams around the league, you know, who are in this MLS expansion bid um, are doing to the same level. Um, I would hope so because this is pretty awesome. Um, and just my last comment I had was about the discussion of the locations um, or potential locations. You know, the, of the locations that I heard, I think that where they're at right now, I mean, you can't get a better location. You're in prime area you're right there in scottsdale tempe you're not very far from the east valley you know mesa gilbert chandler um even the north valley isn't that far either you know i I hope that uh that was like you said you know a certain percentage of fans prefer this location just to kind of have some stats to back that up Um, so really hope that's what that is and that there's really not plans of moving the stadium location Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, the, the one great thing that we've seen time and time again from, from this ownership group is that they are actually out there. I mean, the number of times that I have shown up, uh, whether it's 45 minutes, an hour early before a match, that you're seeing Burke and you're seeing Bobby Dooley and you're seeing Brett Johnson, you're seeing all these guys out there walking around and that's the greatest thing you can ever as a season ticket holder feel great about is that your ownership group cares they're not sitting up there in a box just kind of overlooking everything and seeing how everything goes no they're grassroots down there wanting to be right on the field right on the level and knowing what's going on and knowing what people's thoughts are kudos to them for for doing that as far as the stadium location as well i mean think about it where they're sitting at now is literally what you can kind of consider as the central part of Phoenix now. I mean, yeah, downtown is downtown and that's all great and everything. But when you take a factor in all the surrounding communities, Gilbert Mesa Chandler, you factor in Peoria surprise Scottsdale, when you factor everything in by the time they get done, Avondale, Goodyear and all that, the basic center of town now is really on where that prime a piece of land where they're sitting on right now is and I don't think you can change any you know anything as far as is leaving that area you know it's great to hear uh, you know season ticket holders you know support their club the way they do and and Christine and, and Brian have been super supportive ever since the beginning uh, I've always been generous to talk and, and, and it's great to hear from them and hear their thoughts about uh, what happened in the focus group as well yeah, one other thing I wanted to add real quick I, I forgot to talk about was the, the discussions of the uh, safe standing supporter section. I mean, I'm all in favor for that. I think that's awesome. If you look at like Orlando's, uh, their new stadium, it's it's laid out really well. Um, I even like that it's convenient, has a, 
a holder there for your beer. So maybe we can put two per seat so we don't have to uh, set our beers down. You know, some of us like to buy in bulk. Um, so, uh, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think that would be a, a good, uh, good thing to add to the atmosphere. Yes. And I'm sure that this is just the first of many conversations that we are going to have about a potential new stadium. You know, I sure hope it is. I sure hope we're going to go through with this after Don Garber gives us the go-ahead, and then we can have more conversations. But, um, And it's nice to see even people from other clubs. We have a pretty consistent listener that follows San Antonio FC, um, Harry, and he's at Ramen Call on Twitter. And he mentioned, we'd love to see something like this in San Antonio for our MLS bid and have that ownership group uh, just cement itself even more in the community and to show how serious they are by having these focus groups um, because I have to say it does mean a lot to have a voice no matter how small it is just to feel like you did something that contributed to you know the team's actual decision um, it's a pretty it's a pretty rare concept in this day and age so you know again kudos to Phoenix Rising for doing that and you know I, I would just hope that even other MLS expansion bids give their fan bases the same kind of opportunity. All right, so there's some other news here for Phoenix Rising this week. On Tuesday, they announced that they're going to be holding some open tryouts. I, I think this is a pretty cool concept. Get you know Maybe there's some local talent here that hasn't been found. Um, get them out there and see what they can do. Uh, so a little bit of information about this. Uh, you must be 18 years or older, and you could submit a video to Phoenix Rising. Um, the cost for the tryouts $150, which will cover three sessions. Um, and that will include a ticket for a future 2017 regular season USL match um, and a Phoenix Rising t-shirt. Uh, so uh, if you submit that, you submit your video, they like what they see, they'll get a, get in contact with you to register and pay. Pretty cool concept. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I just I just wanted one clarifying point. Um isn't the 150 they're only collecting it if they actually want you for a tryout right that's correct yeah yeah i believe yeah that's correct yep okay so go out there by all means people and submit your videos because you're only out 150 if they really think you got a shot so you really got nothing to lose here just wanted to clear that up i think it's i think it's a great concept i mean you know we've we've only seen this happened once before in this club's existence that they've held an open tryout like this. Uh, happened during the pre, you know before the the preseason even started uh, a couple of years ago. So it's great to see that the club is kind of being proactive. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is one of those first steps as to trying to to maybe build an academy system where they find these these young players at such a young age that uh, hey you, you know maybe you're not good enough to to be on the roster of a Phoenix rising right now, but you could be that, that 18, 19, 20 year old kid. That could be one of those guys that starts this Academy process that, that, that they've been wanting to do and, you know, pushes that thing forward. So maybe that's what, what they're hoping to get out of this. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, are you guys looking to get in on these tryouts? Because personally, I think my shot stopping ability as a keeper is right up there with uh, maybe maybe not quite there with Cohen and Waz, but I think I could maybe get in that third string spot. Uh, the ball distribution leaves a little to be desired, though. Uh, I don't think I can blast it 50, 60 yards like the pros can. So 
I don't think I'm going to be trying out, but, um, I mean, if you guys or anyone you know feel like you got a shot at it, by all means. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be doing any trying out. Uh, you know, the best position I could probably do would be, you know, third or fourth string uh, goalkeeper, like the guy from the FA Cup who's eating a meat pie <laughs> on the sidelines. Yeah, that's, that's more my... Uh, <laughs> that's great. That's, that's where I, you know, I know my I know my place, so... <laughs> hey, man, if it sells, if it puts butts in seats, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so with that said, we're going to get into some Twitter questions and polls that we had this week. Uh we had a couple really good ones. Um, the first poll was, what is the minimum number of points we should get from the upcoming homestand? Dominic, why don't you tell us about this poll and the results? Yeah, so this one, you know, kind of came into fruition right after we unfortunately had another late draw. And just to give some context here, the three home matches are going to be versus Sacramento this upcoming Saturday. And then versus Seattle 2 the following Saturday and then versus Orange County on Wednesday, September 6th to close it out. And I mean, so the options were seven, six or five. I mean, reasonably you can't, you got to expect at least five from those matches, but I think the way it turned out, it was almost a dead split between seven points being the minimum and six. I went six because I could see us possibly losing a stupid game to Sacramento Orange County, but you know, anything less than that's totally unacceptable. And, you know, I'd love to see seven, but I think I could live with six. Anything less is BS. Yeah, I voted for seven points on this one. I think we can get the draw, you know, with, with Sacramento, like you guys have been talking about. You know, um, I, I think we can get wins against RGV and against uh, Seattle. You know, I... I think the points are out there for the taking at this point. I really do. You know, if we get by this first match, hey, even if we get three points out of Sacramento, it'd be a bonus, you know. But the other two are very winnable matches against teams lower in the table than we are. So I, you know, I don't see how there's no there's no way we can get at least seven out of this. Yeah, I went with seven points here and. You know, I went with that answer just because we obviously we need as many points as we can get. Um, Sacramento, I I expect a draw there. Um, you know, if we can get a win, great. But you know, kind of just accepting the draw now. Seattle too, we should be able to win. And Orange County, I mean, we've played twice in Orange County, drawing both times. So bring them back home, and hopefully we have everybody on the starting lineup that we need. We need our Drogba's and all that. Um, you know, I think with having the full roster, I think we have a really good chance of, of squeaking by on OC. So I went with seven points on this question. Yeah, and one thing that is worth mentioning about Sacramento, too, I don't even think we got to this in the pregame for it, but Sacramento is going to have a very tough home match on Wednesday against Swope Park. And then they're going to have to come back on a three-day turnaround and play us. So even that match is really there for the taking if we can take it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, and then we get into our second poll question, and it was, did Phoenix Rising earn five points on the road trip, or did they lose four points? This one got a lot of responses, um, and I'm, I'm looking at the results here, and there's a lot of pessimistic people just like myself. Um, <laughs> so, Dominic, <laughs> Jeff, what were your guys' thoughts, and what were your, your answers on this? Uh, well, I, I think we kind of mostly went over it already. I put down five points gained because 
overcoming the adversity we had to do to get those five points was pretty impressive. But um, I know Jeff has a different take on this one, kind of like you. So, yeah, I, I felt they I felt they lost four points. You know, I mean, it, the gut. You know, it, it's gut wrenching to go through. 90 minutes and all of a sudden you're giving up that last minute goal that costs you two points in each of those matches. I mean, you're sitting there feeling good about the way things are playing, the way things are shaping up. Granted, you get the red cards, but they're still playing defense. They're still playing strong. One minor slip up and and a ball's in the back of the net. You've lost two points to RGV. You look at the case Friday night, you've been on the back foot for 45 minutes playing good defense the entire time. One slight little mistake five minutes before the end of the match. And I've got a ball sitting in the back of the net. And you've lost two more points now to OC. So it's just to me, you know, we've kind of flip-flopped from the, from the start of the season to where we are now going from we're giving up goals in the first 10 or 15 minutes of matches to now we're giving up goals late in the last 10, 15 minutes of matches, which are really killing us at this point. So, but you know, for me, you know, it's four points lost out there. Yep. And like I said earlier, I agree with that. There was four points lost. And, you know, like I mentioned before, it's critical points, especially with uh, the results that we had to know this week and the top half of the table for the Western conference. Um, just to give our listeners some context here, the poll that we posted, uh, 63% voted that was a losing four and 37% posted that we earned five points on that road trip. So with that being said, guys, um, I think that's going to uh, wrap it up and lead us into our final thoughts. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and start us with your final thoughts for the uh, week? Let's get into a couple of final thoughts here. First of all, you know, it will be great to have, you know, Duigi Mala and, and, Amadou Dia back in the lineup this week as we get prepared for for Sacramento. Uh, it's a huge game, obviously. Uh, you know, Sacramento has always been a rival for us. I mean, everybody thinks that, that that LA, you know, just happens because they're so close, happen to be our closest rival. You know, I personally think that Sacramento has been a bigger rival than than uh, than LA has, just because you know there, there's so much good banter back and forth between the clubs, uh, always has been, and, and, and they're they're team travels fairly well as far as uh, visiting support so it'll be great to see uh, the battalion coming out Saturday to to, to see Sacramento play um, huge game obviously you know but you know all if we get all hands on deck you know I, I think a draw is is reasonable but I think winning this match just as easily is just as reasonable so you know and it's and it's a focus of a long stretch of games as we get ready to set now September is going to be a huge month coming up. A lot of games for us, and that's where that's where it's all going to boil down for us. So that's my thought for this week. For me, I think I've said this once or twice before, and uh, I'll, I'll say it again, though. I mean, how ant should you be right now, especially if you've been a longtime fan? Here we are. We're almost into the meat of the season. We're almost at September, and we're right in the thick of the playoff chase. We are in a great position. If you look at points per game, we're still top eight. A lot of winnable ones coming up. Big time, big time rivalry game coming right now. And Sacramento Republic is the only team that hasn't seen us. Um, well, I, I take that back because we haven't played Timbers too either. But um, you know, one of the last teams that hasn't come into our building and seen what it's all about. 
and we've had a whole month basically on the road. So we need to get this place going on Saturday. I don't care if it's 110. I don't care if there are thunderstorms going on. There needs to be an electric atmosphere and we want the fans to make a difference for this game because if we can get three points against Sacramento, that could really springboard us to a nice winning stretch here, especially with the matches coming up. And, you know, another important thing to mention, a win against Sacramento this upcoming Saturday would put us to within four points of them in the standings with a match in hand. So really, they're up in fifth place and we're down in 11th right now, but it's a much narrower gap than that standings would indicate. You know, if we win this one, we are right in the thick of it to get all the way up to fifth place in the Western Conference. And I think we can do it, but it's going to have to start with a big game on Saturday. I think the team has a great opportunity in front of us. And, you know, tell your friends about this match too, because realistically, this is a great opportunity. You're going to get a chance to see Kavon Lambert probably make his first start with the team. You might get a chance to see Sam Hamilton or Mala make their debut starts. Those guys are going to be back. Drogba hopefully will be back in the starting 11. I I think that they just want to save him for this home match. And if there was ever a match to have him in, this would be it. And they're a soft team. They're from NorCal. They're not used to this kind of heat. And these fans are going to come in here... They think they're hot stuff because they got their own Sports Nation blog. Let's show them who's the real boss. Let's show them that our capital city is a better capital city than theirs and that our soccer team's better than theirs. Let's make it happen. Yeah, well said there, Dominic. Um, I mentioned earlier I, this matchup against Sacramento. I would not be surprised or disappointed with a draw, but with that being said, we have every opportunity to win this match as well. We have we have the depth, the roster depth this coming week. Now that a few people are done with their suspensions, a few people got some rest. I just kind of want to touch on this other topic. We keep saying that we have games in hand. Um, you know, it's you kind of get sick of hearing that phrase, and, and the reason for that is you know we keep drawing, so having these games in hands are not we're not capitalizing on this. You know, we need to go through and and get the wins on these so that we can close that gap. I mean, um, if we gave up four points on this road trip by some late minute goals. Um, you know, it happens of course. Right. But, uh, you know, that would have put us in a completely different position for this matchup against Sacramento, maybe give the guys a little bit more confidence. Um, so, you know, I just, I just hope to see that, uh, we can capitalize with a uh, game in hands that we keep mentioning. And, uh, you know, let's see if we can start making some progress towards that playoff position that seems to be elusive for us so far this season. With that being said, um, that's going to do it for this this week's episode of Rising as One podcast. As always, thanks for listening. And if you have a moment, please check out our podcast on iTunes and go give us some rating, give us some feedback, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, if you ever have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us on Twitter. Our handle is at RisingPod. And thanks for listening. Go Rising. Have a great day, everybody. Go Rising. Go Rising.